Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in His world. Welcome. In my house, we don't just have all the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit movies. We've got the director's cuts. <laughs> it makes me think about... It makes me think about the work of an editor, how the shorter versions of the movies actually tell the same story, just, of course, with less detail. My friends, imagine you're, I don't know, God of the universe trying to communicate the important details of life and the future to someone, uh, to someone and through someone whose relative intellect is that of a flea. What? What would you say? Well, I find it kind of interesting that the book of Revelation is what we uh, what we have in our hands. Welcome back to today's slice of our journey through the Bible in a year, reading through every word of God's self-revelation and considering our own lives in light of that. And my friends, I don't know if that opening Lord of the Rings kind of thought makes sense, but I'm amazed that 2,000 years ago, God gave us what we needed in the form that we needed it which happens to be a shortened form. And I don't know about you, but it's like we're living in the director's cut that, in this case, we've never seen. And it happens to include details that, well, that we could frankly just lose ourselves in at the expense of the main story. So as we're going to hear today, God's going to allow wickedness and uh to wreak havoc, and he will destroy the sin and the wickedness that marks this world, and it ain't going to be pretty, especially for those who love this world. And as we've been doing, we're going to pick up in, uh, read the last little bit of Robert Gundry's um, chapter on Revelation in a survey of the New Testament, 5th edition. Follow Babylon. Here we go. The collapse of the Roman Empire is now celebrated. Babylon, quote-unquote, is symbolic for Rome since Rome has taken the place of that Mesopotamian city as the world's center of idolatry, immorality, and persecution of God's people. Now, what we're about to hear in chapter 17 puts emphasis on the false religion of pagan Rome, and then chapter 18 puts the emphasis on her commercialism and materialism. And much of the phraseology in these chapters comes from prophecies against Babylon in Isaiah in multiple chapters, and especially Jeremiah chapters 50 and 51, and the prophecy against Tyre in Ezekiel 26 through 28. This is Revelation 17 and 18. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me. Come. I will show you the judgment of the notorious prostitute who is seated on many waters. The kings of the earth committed sexual immorality with her, and those who live on the earth became drunk on the wine of her sexual immorality. And then he carried me away in the spirit to a wilderness. I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, jewels, and pearls, and she had a golden cup in her hand filled with everything detestable and with the impurities of her prostitution. On her forehead was written a name, a mystery, Babylon the Great, 
the mother of prostitutes and of the detestable things of the earth. Then I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses to Jesus. And when I saw her, I was greatly astonished. Then the angel said to me, Why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with the seven heads and the ten horns that carries her. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come from the abyss and go to destruction. My friends, I'm going to read that again because that's a weird sentence. It's the past, present, and future, right? The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come up from the abyss and go to the destruction. Those who live on the earth, whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, will be astonished when they see the beast that was and is not and is to come. This calls for a mind that has wisdom. Pause. Remember back in chapter 13, uh, the wisdom was associated with, um, well, Chapter 13, verse 18 says, This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast because it is the number of a person. Its number is 666. You with me? Right? So this is, the angel here just said to John, this calls for a mind that has wisdom. Now here's what he says. The seven heads are seven mountains on which this woman is seated, and they are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is The other has not yet come, and when he comes, he must remain only a little while. The beast that was and is not is itself an eighth king, but it belongs to the seventh and is going to destruction. The ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they will receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. These have one purpose. They give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war against the lamb, but the lamb will conquer them because he is the Lord of lords and king of kings. Those with him are called, chosen, and faithful. He also said to me, The waters you saw where the prostitute was seated are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. The ten horns you saw and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked, devour her flesh, and burn her up with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to carry out his plan by having one purpose and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman you saw is the great city that has royal power over the kings of the earth. After this, I saw another angel with great authority coming down from heaven, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. He called out in a mighty voice, It has fallen. Babylon the great has fallen. She has become a home for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, and a haunt for every unclean and despicable beast. For all the nations have drunk the wine of her sexual immorality, which brings wrath And the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown wealthy from her sensuality and excess. 
And then I heard another voice from heaven. Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins or receive any of her plagues. For her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Pay her back the way she also paid, and double it according to her works. In the cup in which she mixed, mix a double portion for her. As much as she glorified herself and indulged her sensual and excessive ways, give that much torment and grief to her. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen. I'm not a widow. I will never see grief. For this reason, her plagues will come in just one day, death and grief and famine. She will be burned up with fire because the Lord God who judges her is mighty. The kings of the earth who have committed sexual immorality and shared her sensual and excessive ways will weep and mourn over her when they see the smoke from her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Woe, woe, the great city, Babylon, the mighty city, for in a single hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargo any longer. Cargo of gold, silver, jewels, and pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, and scarlet, all kinds of fragrant wood products, objects of ivory, objects of expensive wood, brass, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, and frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine oil, and grain, cattle and sheep, horses and carriages, and slaves, human lives. The fruit you craved has left you. All your splendid and glamorous things are gone, and they will never find them again. The merchants of these things, who became rich from her, will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe, the great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, jewels and pearls. For in a single hour such fabulous wealth was destroyed. And every shipmaster, every seafarer, all the sailors, and all who do business by sea stood far off as they watched the smoke from her burning and kept crying out, Who was like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads and kept crying out, weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe, the great city, where all those who have ships on the sea became rich from her wealth. For in a single hour she was destroyed, Rejoice over her heaven, and you saints, apostles, and prophets, because God has pronounced on her the judgment she passed on you. And then a mighty angel picked up a stone like a large millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, In this way, Babylon, the great city, will be thrown down violently and never be found again. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, and trumpeters will never be heard in you again. No craftsman of any trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of a mill will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. And the voice of a groom and bride will never be heard in you again. All this will happen because your merchants were the nobility of the earth, because all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. In her was found the blood of prophets and saints 
and of all those slaughtered on the earth. And my friends, that is uh, chapter 17 and 18. And just in case it wasn't clear, and honestly it isn't to me either, and I'm borrowing from the Holman Bible Handbook here, but chapter 17 that we just read retells the sixth cup, the fall of Babylon the Great. And then, of course, chapter 18 gives this uh, lament. It's actually a lament for this great city, right? She has not fulfilled God's purposes for her. And all of her mighty works have come crashing to the ground, which this just comes to mind, my friends. Uh, here in the West, in the United States, and I know we have many listeners outside of the United States, so I want to, I'll just bring up this historical reminder, but this historical reminder was a historical moment in the United States when after all the 2008 crash, financial crash and stuff, baloney was happening, the leader of our country stood up and told us that some things are too big to fail. We are in control. We will not let them fail. He was talking about banks and financial system and that kind of thing, right? That to me is the kind of arrogance that flies in the face of God. Right? Note this. Go check me. Call me out if I'm wrong. When has there ever been anything too big to fail? No country, no empire, no financial institution, no city, no ruler. My friends, too big to fail is a lie from the pit of hell. Financially, philosophically, and a whole bunch of other lees, <laughs> right? And what, what do we see in what we just read? A massive lament for something that, was too, that people perceived as too big to fail. And people who got rich, and people who fed their families, and people who planned their whole lives around what, how the world worked, are in serious hurts. My friends, we've got two days left. Uh, and so each of today, tomorrow, and the following, we're going to finish up the book of Revelation, and we're also going to finish up the book of Proverbs. Today, book of Proverbs, chapter 29, which is kind of two chapters. Chapters 28 and 29 in Proverbs is, uh, broadly speaking, about like the nature of exploitation and the need for law, for righteousness, right? <laughs> it's kind of an interesting contrast given what we're reading in Revelation. Proverbs 29. One who becomes stiff-necked after many reprimands will be shattered instantly beyond recovery. When the righteous flourish, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, people groan. A man who loves wisdom brings joy to his father, but one who consorts with prostitutes destroys his wealth. By justice, a king brings stability to a land, but a person who demands quote-unquote 
contributions demolishes it. A person who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. An evil person is caught by sin, but the righteous one sings and rejoices. The righteous person knows the rights of the poor, but the wicked one does not understand these concerns. Mockers inflame a city, but the wise turn away from anger. If a wise person goes to court with a fool, there will be ranting and raving, but no resolution. Bloodthirsty men hate an honest person, but the upright care about him. A fool gives vent to his anger, but a wise person holds it in check. If a ruler listens to lies, all his officials will be wicked. I'm going to put an exclamation point behind that, my friends. If a ruler listens to lies, all his officials will be wicked. The poor and the oppressor have this in common. The Lord gives light to the eyes of both. A king who judges the poor with fairness, his throne will be established forever. A rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a youth left to himself is a disgrace to his mother. When the wicked increase, rebellion increases, but the righteous will see their downfall. Discipline your child and it will bring you peace of mind and give you delight. Without revelation, people run wild, but one who follows divine instruction will be happy. A servant cannot be disciplined by words. Though he understands, he doesn't respond. Do you see someone who speaks too soon? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Dang it. How often has that been me? Do you see someone who speaks too soon? There's more hope for a fool than for him. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for your grace. A servant pampered from his youth will become arrogant later on. An angry person stirs up conflict and a hot-tempered one increases rebellion. A person's pride will humble him, but a humble spirit will gain honor. To be a thief's partner is to hate oneself. He hears the curse, but will not testify. The fear of mankind is a snare, but the one who trusts in the Lord is protected. Many desire a ruler's favor, but a person receives justice from the Lord. An unjust person is detestable to the righteous, but the one whose way is upright is detestable to the wicked. And my friends, that wraps up Proverbs 29. 
Why don't repeat that last one and just turn it into a prayer? An unjust person is detestable to the righteous. And one whose way is upright is detestable to the wicked. Lord, in all of this, I pray, Lord, that you will give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, that that translating this proverb of 2,900 years ago, Lord, to to uh, seeing with your eyes, Lord, is we recognize, Lord, that each and every person is made in your image and therefore has dignity and worth. But that which they do or say very well might come from the pit of hell. And Lord, we pray that somehow that you will equip us with wisdom. Lord, just like Solomon prayed, give me a a disposition, a, a receptive heart, an open mind to understand your wisdom and your heart for people. Lord, that we would love them even as we we even as we separate out good and evil not because of our wisdom or our judgment lord but based on your wisdom lord give us give us wisdom to be your hands and feet to establish justice through the law to end injustice and recognize that the only true justice lord that come, comes from you and that we can trust you that you will set all things right. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.